everyone, and welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 135, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. You can find us on Google Play, iTunes, mtggoldfish.com, and now on YouTube. Joining you, as always, Chaz, uh, all-around content creator focusing on the financial aspect of the game, and I'm with Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. What is up, Richard? Hey, Chaz, what's going on? I'm doing well. We have uh, a lot of spoilers and a lot of fish mail. Um, no Seth today. Uh, Seth is taking a well-deserved and well-needed vacation, so we will miss Seth, but we will have him back soon. Um, yeah, so Seth, have fun, and uh, we miss you around here, but we'll uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Richard, we had a ton of Commander 2017 cards revealed since the last podcast. Basically, the entire... Uh, new spoiler and all the deck lists. Uh, so we're just going to dive into, you know, a, a good amount of, you know, there's there was wizards, there was vampires, and all the rest of the the rares that we didn't get to talk about. So uh, let's just dive right in. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Every day they kind of released one of the decks, which is a tribe. So you got to see all of the cards or all the important cards. And then on the last day, they just gave us all the deck lists. So let's jump right in. Uh, we've already talked about Aravo, we've already talked about the Ur-Dragon, so the third commander uh, is Edgar Markov. So three red, white, black, so six converted mana costs, four, four, legendary creature, vampire knight. Eminence, when you cast another vampire spell, if Edgar Markov is in the command zone or on the battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one black vampire creature token, first strike, haste, when Edgar Markov attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on each vampire you control. So my immediate, I mean, we talked about this last week, Richard. A lot of, well, at this point, all of the eminence uh, commanders that we're going to talk about, not just Edgar, but uh, here in a few moments, uh, they're really great. Um, especially this one, because it goes further than just uh, vampire creatures. It's vampire spells, so uh, any of the um, Lorwyn... Um, you know, shapeshifters or any of the tribal, uh, spells, um, like nameless inversion, you know, those also trigger the eminence. And, uh, this can continue to provide pressure on the board in a multiplayer game. Uh, I don't know how strong that is. So you're going to have to talk about that. But, uh, certainly in a more one versus one competitive, uh, standpoint, I, I just can't see any of these eminence creatures lasting long because this is really powerful. Uh, it doesn't even matter uh, if he's alive. If he's in the command zone, right. you get a vampire anyway, which makes this absurd. Your board can get out of hand pretty quick. If you just curve, you know, one drop, two drop, three drop, you get three one ones for free. And as soon as Edgar Markov hits the field, your team will get plus one, plus one counters. So I actually think uh, he's really good if you are playing Vampire Tribal. Like you said, like Nameless Inversion... Uh, these these random uh, shapeshifter spells. Those are changing spells? I forgot what they're actually called. Yeah, they, the, they're changelings. Yeah. The changeling spells, you know, you, you remove something and then you get a 1-1 one, one vampire for free. It's awesome. The only downside of Edgar is he's very expensive to cast. Uh, yeah. Six means if he dies like twice, you'll probably never cast him ever again. But the good news is even if he's just dirtling your command zone, you're still pumping out 1-1 one, one black vampire creature tokens. So that's pretty sweet. And uh, it's Edgar Markov, another yeah. member of the Markov family, <laughs> apparently. 
Apparently. So another, you know, add another checklist to the flavor win for you, because uh, I always love seeing these different characters that we never have seen before, but are always kind of in the story. Um, and, and they always use these commander products now to kind of either reintroduce us to old characters or introduce us to new characters that we know about but never seen before. Yeah, and he's Mardu, so he hits all the vampires, like the yep. black ones, the red ones, and the new white ones. So none are left out. So I, I like that as well. I do too. So next we have the wizard uh, face card, Inala Archmage Ritualist. Two blue, black, red. So five converted mana cost, four, five. Legendary creature, human wizard. Eminence, when another non-token wizard enters the battlefield under your control, if Inala is in your command zone or on the battlefield, you may pay one. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that wizard. That token gains haste. Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. Tap five untapped wizards you control. Target player loses seven life. I might be the only one to say this, but I did not expect uh, a card like this in like for to represent the wizard tribe. Um, and this goes even past the Nala. A lot of the wizard designs, uh, maybe except for one of them that we'll talk about in a minute, uh, really screamed like wizard to me. And, and I think that's actually a good thing because I kind of like the break that these wizards, you can kind of see that they wanted to design them to not just be the typical wizards we've seen uh, in, you know, Magic's history, and that they're kind of tapping in to a bunch of different colors. Um, I still love this Eminence because, I mean, just Eminence is free for me. Uh, I was trying to figure out what kind of wizards uh, would actually benefit, and uh, not not many of the, I guess, marquee wizards, like Patron Wizard, Void Mage Prodigy, those type of wizards benefit from Anala's uh, Eminence. But, you know, a lot of the new ones do. Yeah, I actually really like this take on wizards. It's not the make a bunch of wizards, play some anthem effects, and go to town. Like, wizards are usually pretty crappy creatures, like one ones, two yeah. ones, or whatever. You know, they cannot attack. So the ability to tap five of them to deal damage is awesome. And a lot of them are, like, utility creatures with, like, enter the battlefield triggers and whatnot. So you know, copying them gives you that extra utility. So I really like the synergy here and where it's going, and it's it's very unique. It doesn't feel like, you know, a green tribal deck or a black tribal deck or whatever. It's a, a pretty unique uh, kind of synergy with wizards because they're, they're just like crappy bodies. Right? They don't do anything. They just like meddle <laughs> right. around, and they're not really good. So this lets you actually finish the game and do something useful. Yeah, it's almost like they kind of tapped into this whole, you know, obviously it's a ritualist, this art made, but this kind of like their, you know, cabal, the, the, kind of tapping into that old uh, onslaught theme of this kind of cabal and um, they're, you know, rich, they're, you know, casting all this weird black magic and they're obviously it's depicted here. And I, again, I really like that tape because it's not the typical play, like you said, Richard, play a bunch of little wizards. They're not very good in combat. And then counter a bunch of stuff and then just kind of, uh, whittle people down progressively. I mean, these are a very different and kind of a more aggressive take, um, than, you know, the traditional wizard. So, uh, really interesting design at the very least. All right. Uh, so let's move on to legendary creatures, uh, you know, in the respective decks of their tribes. So we have Kess Dissident Mage, one blue, black, red. Four converted mana costs. 
human wizard, uh, legendary human wizard, 3-4, flying. During each of your turns, you may cast an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. If a card cast this way would be put in your graveyard, exile it instead. So, uh, my opinion is prob- is already a very popular opinion. I-, I think this card is probably the best uh, commander creature, legendary creature to come out of this all of these um, commander products. Uh, this card is amazing. Um, having a recurrable Snapcaster Mage ability uh, every turn is is really nuts. Um, I-, I get that it's it's four mana, and you know, obviously, Snapcaster Mage is a lot less and has flash, but the, just the fact that you can this keeps recurring every turn, and every turn this card is not dealt with, it gets more progr- like progressively more powerful, um, is really great. Uh, and definitely in these colors, you get access to basically a lot of the best spells of magic. Yeah, I think it, you know it's basically a Snapcaster Mage for free every turn. The problem is that it's so expensive, and it is going to die immediately. If you play it on turn four, you're probably not going to untap with it. And then the next time it's six mana. So you're going to need like 10 open mana or something, you know, to play six to cast this thing and then to, you know, flash back whatever you're trying to flash back. So it's, it's as if like Torrential Gear Hulk was a commander. It's like just so expensive. I, I don't know that you'll get any work done with this because everyone will kill it as soon as they see, yeah. you know, they see it and they see your, look at your graveyard. They're like, oh, sorry, no, <laughs> we're going to have to deal with this immediately. <laughs> So in that sense, I don't know how good it will be, but if it's unchecked and you have a bunch of cheap spells in your graveyard, you know this thing can get out of control. Yeah, there there are some spells that you can kind of get away with uh, immediately. Stuff like um, the Phyrexian mana stuff, um, cards like Slaughter Pact. Um, you know those cards you can kind of get away with. You know before it dies if it's targeted. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean you're right, Richard. This is definitely Prime target number one to die immediately. <laughs> Use exactly what I would do. Four mana, cast Dissident Mage, Slaughter Pact, Flashback Slaughter Pack, Untap, Die My Upkeep, because I only have four mana. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that, exactly. Or you just you just go the the uh, the value route, just just go for uh, Jetaxian Probe, and there you go. <laughs> Get probe solves everything. Yes. <laughs> Alright, we got uh, a vampire soldier, Lisha. Sanguine Tribune, 5 red, white, black. So 8 converted mana costs, 4, 4. Uh, Lisha costs 1 less to cast for each 1 life you gain this turn. First Strike, lifelink. Pay 5 life, put 3 plus 1 plus 1 counters on Lisha. Activate this ability only on your turn and only once each turn. Yeah, so we just talked about Kess that, you know, I kind of feel and the rest of the community feels is the best to come out of this, but this is certainly my favorite card out of all the uh, commanders. Um, you know, not the, I guess, premier commanders on the box of the, the packaging, but um, I really love this card and I love the cost reduction. It, this reminds me a lot of uh, Carador. Um, I, I think it's a little harder to gain life uh, in turn terms of the cost reduction every single time because if it dies it just keeps getting exponentially harder to gain that much life than it is to have creatures in your graveyard uh but this is a really great twist and um I, a lot of people really love like this character and the setting that it's in and maybe it's a kind of a foreshadowing to you know ixalan or something in the future but 
Um, I really love the design of this card, and this card can be really scary if it comes down uh, early, especially in a one versus one scenario, because it's like instantly a nine nine, and uh, it's it's going to start becoming really hard to kill. Yeah, it reminds me of Reverse Rakdos, but gaining life is not as good as dealing damage because right. <laughs> uh, if you gain five life, it's a three to cast four four, which you can immediately pump to um, a seven seven. But once it dies a couple times, like what are the odds that you can gain seven or eight life and you know not be insanely ahead already, right? It's gonna be like some weird life gain deck, and I don't know. Those typically don't work too well, and uh, if they do, they're usually a combo deck, and in which case you don't need a commander to to do anything. So I don't know. It seems weird, uh, but it is sweet because a lot of vampires just naturally have life link. Uh, so you can build some kind of weird vampire lifelink deck and go full Vorthos here. <laughs> but as a commander, just uh, just 8 to cast. Like, if you can't get anything done, you can't get any life, 8 to cast for a 4-4 four, four is pretty weak. Or 8 to cast and 5 yeah. life for 7-7. Seven, seven. It doesn't even have haste. If it had haste, you could gain your life back, but it doesn't. So if it dies, you're you're really sad, Panda. Yeah, and I meant, I, I'm sorry, yeah, 7-7. Seven, seven. I think I said 9-9 nine, nine before, but yeah, 7-7. Seven, seven. But I do like the fact that it kind of is self-sustaining. Like, it has its own lifelink, uh, where realistically you're only paying one life uh, for the ability when you, after you attack. But, I mean, all the, the cons that you laid out, Richard, are absolutely correct. I mean, like I said, Carador uh, kind of has this cost reduction, but again, it's much easier to build around and probably in much better colors uh, because Mardu, you know, sort of like Edgar and some other uh, commanders, it's kind of hard um, to to find a lot of cards that interact with this. I mean, you're only really tapping into white and artifacts. And then if you are tapping into something like, say, a Catcher's Last Mercy, you're still essentially paying six for the commander because, yeah, you're gaining a lot of life and it's cost reduction, but you still have to pay three for the spell and then three for the commander still. So um, it, you really need to look to like artifacts that tap or just incidental life. Yeah, I mean, healing solve becomes dark ritual. Is that? Yeah, is that's that true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Marcel the Pretender. One blue, black, red, 4-4, four, four, legendary creature, human wizard. When Marcel enters the battlefield, you may exile an artifact or creature from your hand or graveyard and put a cage counter on it. Uh, Marcel has all activated abilities of all cards you own in exile with a cage counter on them. You may activate each of these abilities only once each turn. Again, this is like a really interesting uh, design for a wizard. And um, I did not know this, but this was a character uh, from the, I, I believe, the Innistrad. I, I might be wrong here, but the Innistrad storyline that we never fully knew about. It's either that or Dominaria. Um, so if any Vorthos are out there uh, upset, I apologize. But, uh, this was a, ca a character that we've known about, but never seen a card for. And it's basically like they took Necrotic Ooze, turned it into a commander, Richard, and then spread it out across three colors. So I'm really interested to see where people go with this card because it can get really creative. Yeah, I just, I just like that second clause. That's, that second clause yeah. where you can only activate each ability once, uh, per turn basically kills like every combo you were imagining with this card <laughs> so i don't know maybe you needed it to be safe but i think that takes a lot of fun out of it because usually 
you know, you, you want to stack a bunch of abilities on the same creature and then just combo out. So I, I don't know what you can do with this card. I guess we'll have to see what people come up with. Uh, but it has potential to be pretty broken. But that second clause, meant to keep it in check, I think will make it uh, less fun than it could be. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I'm sure folks out there uh, and, and commander players will be as creative as they possibly can be uh, with this, but uh, it, it does have a considerable downside um, in that second clause. Yeah, the, uh, the interesting thing is you can combine artifact and creature abilities on yes. the same card now. So so maybe even with that restriction, you can find something broken to do. Yeah, and I, and I like, you know... That this card, like, as it continues to die, it gains additional uh, abilities each time it comes into play. So that, that's really interesting. I, I like that aspect of the card. Yeah, and you can just blink. You don't need right. to actually blink too. Yep. have your commander die. There are other ways to get more cage counters on things. Yep. Uh, next up, we have Mathis Fiendseeker. Red, white, black, 3-3. Three, three. Legendary creature, vampire, menace. At the beginning of your end step, put a bounty counter on target creature and opponent controls. For as long as that creature has a bounty counter on it, it has when this creature dies, each opponent draws a card and gains two life. Uh, finally, Richard, uh, Bounty Hunter has a friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time <laughs> since we've seen like any kind of card use bounty counter. Uh, but I, I like this. This is aggressively costed. Um, three for three with Menace because... But Menace uh, is great. <laughs> and it, it kind of immediately gives you some value um, in, you know, you get the, the bounty counter and then you can have some instant speed removal or, you know, we keep going back to Slaughter Pact uh, to get that um, that card in two life uh, immediately. So I, I kind of like that um, that aspect of this card. And uh, again, really, really interesting design. I keep saying that. I mean, Wizards has become so great at... at putting together these commander products and designing these commander products that they they always release these really great uh commanders and all these cards that um you know keep surprising me i was really down on like tribal in general but uh i, I love these cards so far yeah i really like this as a group hug card uh the big problem with group hug is usually some decks are in a better position to take advantage of more cards than other decks. Like, for example, a combo deck, if you give them an extra card, they could probably win the game. If it's a janky travel deck, the extra card probably doesn't matter. Uh, with this, you get to give three other players extra cards, and you can single one person out, usually the most powerful person out. <laughs> yes. You know, put bounties on all their stuff. They don't get to draw. They get targeted at the same time, and it levels the playing field and makes group hug you know and actually a group hug instead of just accelerating one person to win the game so i actually really like mathis and their bounty counters they're like so cool it's like i i put a bounty on your head someone kill it <laughs> and we all I mean, get to draw cards and game life right <laughs> yeah it's just countering a big brand so he just brands them uh batman style Oh, I didn't even notice the art. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you just walk around branding people. Yes. It's awesome. Uh, okay, let's move on uh, to some interesting rares. Territorial Hellkite. Four red red, six five dragon. Flying haste. At the beginning of combat on your turn, choose an opponent at random that Territorial Hellkite didn't attack during your last combat. Territorial Hellkite attacks that player this combat if able. 
you can't choose an opponent this way, or if you can't choose an opponent this way, tap Territorial Hellkite. Yeah, this is uh, pretty awesome. I mean, this is a lot of power and toughness for not a lot of mana. It has haste, so can automatically attack the turn and it comes into play. Um, this is this is a lot of value for four mana, and you know, in a multiplayer game, you can just continue to keep attacking because you never are going to attack, you know, every time you attack someone new, you're able to attack the previous person. So, um, yeah, I really love this card. And then we just started discussing, Richard, that even in like a one-versus-one setting, um, yes, it only attacks every other turn, but it's still a 6-5 flying haste um, that, you know, is fully able to block when it's not attacking and it can just... It's still like a, a, a kind of like a better lightning bolt. Uh, uh, what ball is it? Lightning. Ball lightning. So uh, this card's really scary, and and I know you like it too. Yeah, it's really good. I like undercosted flying fat creatures. Like desecration demon is one of my favorite creatures of all time. There's so much you can do it with it. Like you know, on top of just hitting people with it, you know, that's really good. Four mana, six five flying haste is a big deal. Uh, but you can fling it. You can cast Phyrexian Dreadnought. You can cast any of the, you know, green card spell, or sorry, uh, card draw spells that rely on power. Uh, There's all kinds of things you can do with this, uh, even if it can't attack. And in a multiplayer game, you can just attack everyone. It's not a problem. So I think this card is actually really good, and I'm looking to jam it in all of my red decks. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh... I think even in a one versus one setting, this can slot into uh, many of the Zergo decks because it's it's still uh, a great rate for for four mana, um, and if need be, uh, you can block with it and you know attack the following turn. So it's really not uh, as bad to not attack every turn uh, because that deck is just trying to uh, win the game as quickly as it can. So, uh, but any outside shot, outside commander, I, I don't believe so. Richard, uh, which is unfortunate because I do think it's an awesome card, but I just can't see this card in any other setting. Yeah, unless they make Commander legal and modern. <laughs> this thing is not going <laughs> to see play in Legacy or Vintage. I don't think. I mean, someone can come up with something crazy, but it doesn't look obvious to be a 4-mana 6-5 flying haste. Uh, next up we have Teferi's Protection. Two and a white instant. Until your next turn, your life total can't change, and you have protection from everything. All permanents you control phase out. Exile to Fairy's protection. So phasing's back, Richard. Phasing is back, and uh, I believe they said they're changing how phasing works now, so you can actually yes. phase out tokens. Uh, yep. Before, if you phased out tokens, they just cease to exist, and anything attached to them, like a batter skull, would cease to exist as well. Uh, but now they're changing that. But yes, they are phasing mechanics. We don't understand. I'm surprised banding isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't go to exile. It just phases out. Yeah, and not only does it phase everything out. I mean, it's like the ultimate uh, lastage effort card. Like all, like Angel's Grace. It's all those cards combined into one card. Um, I think it's a phenomenal card. Uh, probably one of the best rares to come out of this. Um, the, the commander product and a lot of people are really excited about it um but they they already kind of squashed the whole uh yeah phasing is not coming back in a real way uh so those of you getting really excited about phasing uh returning on a more regular basis uh yeah you're gonna be disappointed because they already made that statement uh but richard does this see 
some sort of plane, like a combo deck in Legacy, because uh, I'm sure there's a lot of shenanigans. Um, not maybe not even shenanigans. Just it's overall great value in Commander. But uh, does this see any kind of play in any of the decks currently in Legacy? I have no idea. Or what vintage, for that matter. You have Angel's Grace, <laughs> so if you need to not die, Angel's Grace uh, usually does the trick. Uh, I I don't know that you need to at instant speed protect your permanence from anything. It doesn't seem obvious to me. So I don't see any uses in Legacy or Vintage. If anyone knows of any, let me know. I think this is definitely a multiplayer card. I really like the phasing aspect. Essentially, it prevents you from using this to cheat death. Like, if someone attacks you for lethal, you use the Fairy's Protection, you cheat death that turn. But if there's another player after that player, all your stuff is phased out. You're defenseless. So they're welcome to come in and kill you. Uh, But... This card can be used for very dirty things. To fairy's protection, uh, balance. You can Ooh. balance. You can, uh, you know, you can wrath of God. You can Armageddon. You can do all kinds of evil things <laughs> with floating mana <laughs> and this thing phased out. So, I don't. This is not a fun card. If someone casts this, you're in for a bad time. I don't see it being cast as an angel's grace. I see it being cast as, you know, a, a one-sided board wipe or a one-sided Armageddon or something like that. Or to counter your opponent's uh, nasty yep. <laughs> spells. Apocalypse comes to mind, those kind of cards. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's really powerful. Uh, next up, we have Kindred Boon. Two white-white enchantment. As Kindred Boon enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. One in a white. Put a divinity counter on target creature you control of the chosen type. Each creature you control with a divinity counter on it has indestructible. Man, Richard, they are just putting us in a time machine with all these uh, these different counters. Uh, divinity counter, that's like Kamigawa. The, the Kamigawa synergies. You don't yes. even need to play the counter. <laughs> Wait, were those the uh, legendaries that when you remove a divinity counter, you do something crazy? Yes. And now um, you can just re- restock up by paying two mana to put a new one on? Yeah, you can either restock uh, those creatures or pretty much make any creature into those creatures. <laughs> so um, this is a really awesome enchantment. Yeah, it keeps your commander alive. I mean, in the worst case scenario, you cast this, put a divinity counter on your commander, and you're good to go. Yeah, wow. You're right. right. So it, I really like it because it keeps your creatures alive. You know, you can take a turn off, put divinity counters on your important pieces, and they need to be exiled. Uh, how does phasing work? If you phase out something with counters on it, do the counters come back? I have no idea. Uh, I am not sure. This is why I'm so surprised they brought back phasing. Um, I I believe they do? I don't know now. Huh, that's interesting. I have some, I don't, Um, like, do enter the battlefield triggers happen? Do you still maintain your counters? Are you still tapped? I have no idea what happens when you phase it out. It's been too long. So, interesting. Yeah, I mean, the the reminder text is, uh, while they're phased out, they're treated as though they don't exist. They phase in before you untap during your untap step. So, I mean, I'm sure we'll get comments um, providing the actual answers, but for right now, I can't for the life of me uh, remember if, if... like ETB and all that stuff that you were talking about uh, triggers and they keep counters and stuff. Yeah, but basically divinity counters make your stuff indestructible. 
aside from exile effects, bounce effects, and possibly phasing effects. Yeah. Oh, what was that cycle, Richard? Um, I'm probably butcher- butchering it, but m- Myogen? The Myogen? Yeah, it was, it, it was the Kamigawa cycle of yeah. god things. Wait. Or I don't know what they were. Infinite Rage, Infinite, like, uh, something Wisdom. Yeah, it was that cycle. Uh, okay, Myogen of Cleansing Fire, 5, White, 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 4-6, Spirit, Legendary. Uh, when it comes into play, put a Divinity Counter on it. If you played it from your hand, it's indestructible as long as it has a Divinity Counter. Remove a Divinity Counter, destroy each other creature. Nice. So, typically, this was like a one-shot ability, but now that we have this new enchantment... Uh, good luck because you put a counter on it's indestructible good luck removing it and then at any time you can remove the counter again and uh, wipe the board yep great card so Kamigawa Spirits making a comeback <laughs> yes absolutely uh, here's one of my new favorite cards New Blood 2 Black Black Sorcery as an additional cost to cast New Blood tap an untapped vampire you control gain control of target creature Change the text of that creature by replacing all instances of one creature type with vampire. The flavor, Richard, it's just too much. Uh, Olivia, the art is amazing. Uh, I love this control magic in, in like kind of a different color and a new take on it. Um, it's really awesome. Uh, I can understand why it's your favorite card. It's a really sweet card. There is one fail. There is one fail. It is not. Uh, what's the fail? It is not a vampire spell. Oh, if it was a vampire spell, yes. you get the oh. trigger <laughs> uh, to get a You're vampire right. as well. But you can basically take a Lord of Atlantis. Not only did you take someone's Lord of Atlantis, it is now a vampire Lord of Atlantis. And it pumps your vampires and vampires. gives them Island Walk. <laughs> so I think that's awesome. And given that Super it's cool. in a tribal pre-con, all the other decks are tribal decks. So you're going to get to go to town with this. You're going to get to do crazy shenanigans. I love cards that replace text on other cards because you can do all kinds of weird stuff. You need to play this in Commander Clash. Like, you need to be the one that plays vampires. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, last card we'll talk about is a lowly common land. Path of Ancestry. Uh, enters the battlefield tapped. Tap it to add one mana of any color to you. Or any color in your commander's color identity. When that mana is spent to cast a creature spell that shares a creature type with your commander, scry one. Yeah, so this is just another auto-include in basically every EDH deck uh, forever now, right? I mean, it's a long, in a long tribal. line of... Yeah, I mean, you can always name your commander, right? Like the, the yep. creature type of your commander? Yeah, I mean, the downside is it comes into play tapped. So yeah, that it's is a, like a bad scry land if you're only casting your commander. But if all of your other spells share it, you're basically scrying every turn. And yeah. I will take one turn of entering tap to scry every turn with Path of Ancestry. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think even like non, I think it can still work in the non-tribal list. It, it is a, a lot worse, obviously, as you mentioned, Richard. But I, I think it kind of beats out some of the other uh, utility lands, and certainly. I mean, still on a pretty good budget, but um, yeah, I really like this land a lot. Yeah, if your commander is one of those cards with generic types, like say wizard or human, uh, this gets a lot more value. Even if you don't play a tribal deck, you just have so many random humans in your deck that you'll gain a ton of value out of this. So watch yep. out for just, you know, like ally or, you know, random incidental 
uh, creature types on your commander. Huh. So that's all awesome. the spoilers we'll talk about for yes. this week. What do you think of the decks overall? All the new cards and just Commander 2017 in general. I like it. Um, I, I, you know, briefly mentioned earlier, I was, and full transparency, I was really not excited um, when they announced that uh, this round of Commander product would be tribal because, you know, I figured it would just be the same old stuff we've seen, elves, goblins, but uh, I have been proven 100% incorrect. And I am very excited about uh, th- this round of Commander. Um, and I think, actually, we kind of got there with, like, almost a fifth kind of pre-con. Uh, I don't know if there's enough overlap, but it feels like there could be. Um, I didn't look at every individual card and see if it can happen. But, um, yeah, th- this this is awesome. And there's a lot of cards that I'm excited for, uh, especially because, I mean, everyone, a lot of people know that I like one versus one Commander. Um, so overall, great job by Wizards. Uh, every year, they just get better and better at creating these products. Um, but yeah, if I had to rank this, it's probably right up there, uh, right under Commander 2016. Yeah, I, I really like Commander products. And I actually like spoiler season for Commander way more yep. than basically anything else. Because it's a casual format. All decks are viable. You can see uses for all the cards. So every time I see a card, I'm like, oh, you know, you can build deck XYZ. You can do this. You can do that. Uh, you know, in standard, you're like, is this going to be, you know, Ramunap Red? <laughs> is this going to be Torrential <laughs> Gear Hulk? And the answer yeah. 95% of the time is no. So you discard the card immediately. Whereas with the Commander product, you're like, oh, you know, this is so sweet. You can do this. You can do that. So all of the cards have a lot of potential. Um, so I really like it, and uh, I like the mechanics. They went for more multiplayer conspiracy-type mechanics, uh, which is perfect. There are a lot of cards that are really good in Commander, but not overpowered in 1v1. Like, for example, Territorial uh, Hellkite, potentially strong in 1v1, but absurdly strong in Commander, yeah. right? You don't have stuff like True Name Nemesis where you're like, okay, it's just overpowered everywhere <laughs> right. and you just like ruined Legacy for a bit. Uh, so I really like the direction they took on the design. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like they turned the corner to kind of alleviate those issues. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's super flavorful. And I, I mean, I think you're right, Richard. Like when you don't have to sift through like draft <laughs> draft cards and, and, and cards you know that are never going to have an impact and in a format like standard, like you said, um, it makes the kind of preview season or spoiler season, um, that much more entertaining and that much more hype, uh, because you know, like every card, um, can find a place somewhere. Uh, and every card is interesting. Yeah. And you have a lot of legendaries, so you have potential to reconfigure your decks and and switch them around and stuff. So, uh, you have a lot of options, uh, because they went with three color decks. Last thought, um, I know maybe not any of the cards we talked about, Richard, but I, I know you have that spike in you. Anything um, that can remotely see play um, that you're sure of outside of Commander? Uh, I know we discussed, uh, like, Alms Collector and even the the Leonin Stalker, uh, but are you still thinking there's not much, or do you, do you really think there's one card out of uh, all these cards that can get there? I didn't see anything from this week's worth of spoilers i think the okay. two cards we talked about last week uh, but i i didn't really look at them with a critical eye for legacy i was just getting hyped about playing tribal cards 
<laughs> Fair enough. But I don't think there's anything, you know, there's I don't think there's a fatal push sitting in here or whatever. <laughs> like I don't think there's something just like auto include. Yeah. Outside of Commander Clash, like what's the one commander you're definitely going to try and build? Like if you had all the cards. <sighs> I'm drawn towards Aravo, like cats. I don't know, like we we I built like vampire decks, <laughs> zombie decks, whatever, wizards. But cats, I don't think, has been done in a serious, like, competitive manner. Besides, you know, like some equipment deck or something like okay. that. Okay. But an actual like cats, like Thundercats, like let's go. Awesome. <laughs> so I, I like Arabo, and the art is amazing on Arabo. So. Yeah, it really is. I'm glad you came around. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Richard. Um, yeah, that that wraps things up. Great takes. Um, and for everyone, uh, the Commander 2017. Uh, all the deck lists have been revealed. Uh, you can go take a look at them. Uh, but yeah, awesome, Richard. I'm glad we can talk about those cards. Uh, let's talk about some fish mail. Yeah, before we wrap up, uh, Commander release is August 25th. So right. two Fridays okay. from now. Nice. And you can get yep, it at Walmart or your local game store online or whatever. It's available as a like pre-constructed product. So... Fishmail. If you have your questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. First question. Well, this is going to be really uh, awkward if any are directed at Seth. <laughs> yep. Uh, we, we will proxy his answers. We will just make <laughs> stuff up and say it Seth. Yes. Perfect. JR Marsbar. Will Noble Hierarch be printed in IMA or A25? If so, will the price drop much? Should I wait to pick up a set? Oh, man. Yeah, I think at this point, it's not an if, it's when. Um, I can't say for certain. Just because, like, um, Iconic Masters, I just don't know what the whole gimmick is there. Like, there's so many different cards that can be considered iconic or not iconic, and then they are in the set. So I don't know. But um, I, I, we can expect a, a reprint of Noble Hierarch probably very soon. It's getting to that point. So I, I would wait because it, it's just a lot of money to drop on a playset of Noble Hierarchs right now. Yeah, it's probably going to be reprinted, uh, but it doesn't seem to fit the theme of Magic 25 or Iconic Masters, so that's a little awkward, but I think it's like a Tarmogoyf-type card where they jam it into every reprint set where they can. Yeah. Uh, next question, Eldrazi Tron. It looks like Stalking Leonin can only be played uh, once in a game. Am I wrong? Are they wrong? I don't um, know why you'd only play it once a game. Let me double check. Activate so, this ability only once. But I think that's for that instance of the card. Yeah, no? it's only so when you play a new yeah. Stalking Leonin, uh, you can do it again. Or if it, you know, whatever. Like it, it only counts for that one card. So I think you can do it multiple times. Yeah. Next question. Thoughts on one. Thoughts on Approach of the Second Sun deck. It recently made top 32 at G GP Minneapolis. Could it be a top tier deck? Uh, I think it could get there as time goes on. I mean, um, a lot of the, well, the main namesake of the uh, the deck kind of sticks around. Uh, the issue is, um, you know, I don't, it could by October, but the problem is, is when you reduce uh, the standard pool of cards and it's going to be greatly reduced. I mean, we're replacing like, um, some odd like 900 cards with only like 250. Um, so that, that kind of doesn't work in control's favor. Uh, but I do think at one point it will be, um, a very viable deck, uh, closer to a higher tier deck. 
Okay, next question. Bruno Alzuguire, playing only tier one decks, which format is more expensive, limited included, accounting for card values? Um, it, it might actually, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's vintage, but it might actually be commander too. Uh, if you really wanted to <laughs> go the super expensive route. Yeah, I, I would say it depends on how long you play for. The longer right. you play, the cheaper vintage and legacy get, and the more expensive standard gets. So if you're just playing, you know, if you're just playing for six months or whatever, uh, vintage looks absurdly expensive. But if you need to buy standard decks for six years, I'm pretty sure that far exceeds any vintage deck uh, that you could put together. Or maybe not vintage, legacy for sure. <laughs> vintage is a little expensive. So I actually think standard is the hidden answer here. Uh, but standard's been cheap recently, so... So, yeah, it just has that attrition added to you it. You just got to keep building new decks and buying new cards yeah. every couple months, right? Yep. Uh, next question from T Laser: Would it be great if new unset was cards making fun of content creators, like the Olive Flinger? <laughs> that would be really awesome. That would be I cool, hope they but do I don't s- think they would do it because it has yeah. to a last forever and b appeal to everyone and c everyone has to understand it, which. I don't think that's true, but like I said before, I'm actually curious how the jokes will play out because I, I don't know what they would do in 2017 for jokes and humor uh, in a card game product made for ages, what is it, 13 and up? Yeah, very, and, and a very different time um, than the original um, unsets. <laughs> no, no more fart jokes? Or or maybe maybe they keep with the tradition. <laughs> Probably not. It's like weird, cheesy, 90s, like cracked humor or whatever. <laughs> They could, yeah, add those in. Uh, at 69, Griggs for 20. Outside of common for popper, why do rarity of cards in pre-cons matter? Why not just have a pre-con rarity? Um, the only reason they matter is for, yeah, basically popper, but um, there is not really a huge significance about uh, common. Uh, the only other reason I can think of is uh, they... I believe it was Mero that said that they try to include uh, a lot of the common level cards across different command, like just talking about commander, across different commander products uh, for that year. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it, it really doesn't have a huge significance. Yeah, I think it's for new players. Uh, as a yeah. new player, you know that mythics are more powerful than rares, which are more powerful than uncommons, and etc. As an experienced player, yeah, it basically does nothing. Uh, but so I think it's for new players to know that, hey, this mythic cat is probably really strong. Let me put it in my deck and try stuff. Right. Uh, Josh Sick. Saffron Olive, my vote for the most confusing card is Ice Cauldron. Do you know what Ice Cauldron Oh, that's a good one. Do you know what the I Oracle text says? Know. And do you know what it oh. actually does? <laughs> I, um... I know it's I know it's a lot of stuff. So I pulled up the card on MTG Goldfish. There is so much text on it that I cannot read it. So I, I remember that card has a ton of text. Okay, but here we go. Ice I Age. don't have any idea. I think I actually own one of these. Four converted mana costs. <laughs> X and tap. Put a charge counter in Ice Cauldron and exile a non-land card from your hand. You may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled. Note the type and amount of mana spent to pay this activation cost. Activate this ability only if there are no charge counters on Ice Cauldron. Tap, remove a charge counter from Ice Cauldron. Add Ice Cauldron's last noted type and amount of mana to your mana pool. 
spend this mana only to cast the last card exiled with Ice Cauldron. Holy crap. <laughs> but can't, you can only exile lands, right? Uh, Non-land. Oh, non-land. You essentially um, get to exile something, yeah. and then you can tap it to add the mana cost of that card back to recast? Yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. It's like a lot of the... Actually, I think we talked about this. One of those cards that has an absurd amount of text, but actually doesn't do like anything crazy. I don't know why they would format it like this. I mean, I guess yeah, they, that was it's really basically weird. exile a card and then you may play it again for free. But yeah, that's what happens in Ice Age. And the art yep. is crazy. It's like <laughs> the Wicked Witch. Uh, uh, good old, old cards. All right, yes. Sether 455556. If you own a copy of a card and have multiple decks that need that card, is it okay to make proxies for the other decks? Um... For playtesting purposes, yes, and it it should be noted that uh, and very clear that it is a proxy card. Yeah, that's that's what I do. Uh, depends. Like, say I have Absent and Jund, and I have only four Thought Seizes. I'll just write Thought Seize on you know the back of four lands, put them in the other deck, and then when I play my deck for F and M, I actually just search out all the proxies and then swap them. So that yep. way I know what's in my decks so that I don't have to wonder, like, what is this, like, 44-card deck? What are the missing cards? <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, I, I can just swap out the proxies. Uh, if you're playing with your friends or your casual group or whatever, you can just ask, like, is it okay if I use the proxies because I have the thought seasons over here? Uh, but for F&M and stuff, you, you can't, so I actually just swap them out. Uh, Viper Johnny B, how cool would it be if the next unset has shout out to YouTubers? Scoops gets a card, Wedge gets a card, uh, TCC is a land. Uh, so we talked about that. It would be pretty cool, yep. but I don't know that they would do it. Uh, my own revival. What would each of you consider to be your most embarrassing punts? Keep up the awesome work. Oh, thank you. Um, most embarrassing punt. Uh, good thing it's not on a stream or uh, recorded on MTGO anywhere. Uh, but, um, I think the last time I played Storm, I dropped the combo. So, because I really didn't understand, and this is probably why I never played Storm ever again or any kind of combo deck. Um, and it was really embarrassing just because, um, going into it, I kind of knew what I should have been doing. But I, I just, I didn't, and I sequenced the cards uh, the wrong way and ended up, you know, fizzling out. It was really awful. Yeah, the, I think the worst is the forget to crack a fetch brainstorm, where <laughs> you brainstorm, put two cards back, you have a fetch up, and your intent was to crack the fetch and, you know, dig three more cards. Uh, and then I forget to crack the fetch, I brainstorm, I look at the two cards I put back on top, and I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> And then uh, you know your opponent knows because they see the fetch land that you didn't crack. So, yeah. Uh, just, just like mechanical stuff that goes wrong. Strategical punts are harder because your opponent usually may, you know, they may or may not know you did it. But the mechanical ones, you're like, oh, oh crap. And then that's when you shame scoop and concede. <laughs> uh, next yep. question, Marcel uh, Ruas. When it comes to deck building, two drops are creatures only or could they be any two mana costed spell 
Um, it really depends on what kind of deck you want to build, um, because some decks rely on having high creature counts, some decks have reliance on high spell counts, and some, like, a mixture of both. So it, it really does depend on the deck you're trying to build. But um, I guess for newer players, uh, it's it's much easier um, to play with creatures because they're kind of more straightforward. Um, but... You know, I, I don't know these days. <laughs> maybe they maybe they gravitate towards spells. Yeah, it, people usually refer to something you can do. So just any two mana spell. Well, you you basically don't want to spend turn yep. two doing nothing. So either you cast yep. a creature, you cast a removal spell, you cast an artifact or something. So usually two drops are just any, you know, anything. Uh, Tidal Wave eighty seven. Why do you think the new gods aren't seeing any play in the tournament scene? Um. Probably because they're outclassed by the Gear Hulks, <laughs> at least for now. And um, I do think, again, looking towards rotation, that some of them will start to see more play. And um, I-, I do believe already that Hazaret and Ronas see some amount of play. I mean, Hazaret was a key card in Ravenat Red, so and that was a Pro Tour winning deck. So, uh, but again, um, maybe more gods in the future. When rotation comes around, they'll, they'll see more play. All right, next question from Random Keho. With upcoming rotation, which card should I, no, which card should I pick up? One from Shadows of Innistrad, Battle for Zendikar, Block for Modern. Likewise, which cards from Kaladesh and Amonkhet should I pick? Ooh, um, unfortunately, a lot of the cards from um, Shadows of Innistrad and the BFC block already have started to increase. Uh, namely, cards like Collective Brutality, a lot of the Eldrazi cards. Um, so that, that was kind of my, my first pick for cards that you would want to hold on to. Um, I, I don't know off the top of my head a lot of the commander cards, but I, I'm assuming cards like Zendikar, Resurgent, uh, Resurgence, Resurgent? Uh, I don't remember the card name, but, um, yeah, just little cards like that, uh, that see a lot of playing commander that you want to pick up on the cheap right now. But again, a lot of the cards have already increased because they already see play in other formats. All right. Uh, next question from the Fallen 3274. Maybe because Standard wasn't the best, all of the good unique cards go to Commander. I think that just means you're a casual player that likes multiplayer fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because that's how I feel too. I think all the cool cards are in Commander 2017. And like I said before, it's because you don't have to compare them to Torrential Gear Hulk. You don't have to, you know, compare them to Smuggler's Copter of Standard Old or whatever. You know, you just get to play with fun, cool cards. Yeah, that's a really great point, Richard. Uh, next question. Quilted Train. Is anyone annoyed that four commander decks are the new norm with two colored allies uh, being skipped? So, yeah. wait, four mm. commander decks? Yeah, there's only four this time around. Oh, I see. There's I see. usually five. I mean, I don't know if it's the new norm. It's like literally just like this one time around. Yeah. Um, I don't believe they made an announcement saying that this is the new norm, that they plan on doing this in the future, but... Um, if they have and I didn't see it, then I apologize, but, um, it, it is a little annoying, but I, I think they, they made it up with making them, uh, really good. Uh, all of the commander product, uh, this time around are really good. So, um, yeah, it kind of sucks, but, uh, I, I think they make it up by the, the quality of the product. All right. Next question. Ace and Bureaucrat, which upcoming product is each of you most and least excited about? Commander 2017, Ixalan, Dual Decks, Iconic Masters. Uh, what's V17? What's the new from the vault? 
Oh man, I don't even oh, I know. I forgot. Hold on, I'll look it up. Uh, the new unset uh, M25 Dominaria uh, M19. Ooh, 19. Ooh, that's a lot of stuff. Uh, it must be from the vault. It escapes me right now. Um, I I don't know. Uh, from the vault. Transform. Oh yes. From the, Transform. From the vault, Jace. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> from the vault, Jace Friends Prodigy. Uh. I would have to say Dominaria because um, I played the game a long time. It's been a long time since we've been on that plane. And it just harkens back to uh, some great times like as a young teenager kind of just opening up packs and seeing those uh, characters and, and following, uh, you know, the Weatherlight and all its crew. Uh, I think that's really um, nostalgic. So I kind of have to just go with that. Uh, C-17 is really awesome. And, and I... I'm looking forward to Ixalan 2 just because of the fact that uh, we finally get to say goodbye to um, BFZ block and Shadows block. Um, I really like Shadows block, but I feel like those two blocks have just been in standard for a very, very long time. Yeah, for me, Dominaria, hands down, kind of similar to you. That's the kind of era I started playing Magic in. I want to see more Urza stuff. We can go back to Red Dwarves on Dominaria, like, <laughs> yes, Yogmoth, just, like, all the crazy stuff. Uh, Teferi and company, we, we saw a hint of it in Commander 2017. I'm ready for a full-blown uh, block of this stuff. <laughs> would you be adverse to, and I've always thought about this, would you be adverse to them uh, kind of phrasing cards like they, they used to do? Like, wouldn't that just be awesome sometimes? It's just a, well, like, what does this do? I hope they do that for Masterpieces, but not for the main set. Okay, okay. Like, because it's, like, so confusing for new players to, right? You know, Ice okay. Cauldron. You're like, what is this? <laughs> right? It's like, hold on, like, time out. Let me read this for five minutes. <laughs> but uh, I think if they made the Masterpieces, like, the old-style border with the old templating. Oh, that would be perfect. You know, maybe throw in some interrupts, though. But <laughs> I, I don't know, right? Like... <laughs> I, I, they, Don't give they us need any to throw back to the the old yes, school they magic somehow, and I think masterpieces is the best place to do it. I think you and I are in agreement then, Richard. Don't give us any fancy borders. <laughs> Don't give us any crazy tags. Just give us the old school version, old uh, frame. Uh, make it foily or whatever, <laughs> and uh, like a masterpiece style. Just just give us the old card. Yeah, no foils in their foils original exist. form. I'm sorry, no foils. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. Yes, you're right. Uh, next question, Random Keho, what would you, what would an MTGO player's reaction be if they saw this uh, when they tried to play Moto? And it's a picture <laughs> of the Hearthstone UI saying all tables are full. There should be an empty seat in about 15 minutes. Uh, uh, I actually replied to that on Twitter and I said ecstatic because uh, I asked you, Richard, has that ever actually been a problem on mtgo before yeah, i mean there, it's, there hasn't ever it's a been, problem but a good problem i mean we, we i think we had that problem in, in which case you just got some random error message you couldn't log in uh but for mtgo <laughs> it would probably be like there are two tables and they don't work sorry <laughs> as opposed to the hearthstone problem of literally too many players simultaneous games but it would wow. be awesome if moto had that problem uh they used to have that problem with like large events and stuff that was like the V4 transition or something. Okay. Remember, like, I think it was like PTQs or something would crash or whatever. Like, there are too many players in the same event. 
you didn't get a nice warning message. It just like event literally failed and people had to file for reimbursement and stuff like that. Wow. So I remember one of the upgrades was supposed to allow bigger events. So not like matches, but events. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good problem to have. I mean, uh, obviously, if you played Hearthstone, it's probably annoying. But at the very least, you know a lot of people are playing the game. <laughs> so you have people to play against. I, I don't know, like, on day one of a new game, if you try to log in and you can't, are you ecstatic? <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I just got the new Diablo. Yeah. Error. Oh, I just got the new Final Fantasy. Can't log in. Oh, I just got the <laughs> new WoW. Can't log in. <laughs> Yeah, but I think in terms of MTGO, I guess anything is is better. So, all right, when um, Magic Digital Next comes out and we get error messages, Chaz will be <laughs> rejoicing. Yes, <laughs> I mean, again, at least you know everyone's uh, wanting and willing to log on and play. Random Dark Rider, what is each person's preferred win con in a commander deck featuring Teferi's Protection, that thing that phases everything out, and Panoptic okay. Mirror? So, do you know what Panoptic Mirror does? Yeah, it's from Miroden, uh, Miroden, uh the original one. It's five, and I you can imprint something on it, and I think for five, you can cast it or, like, make a copy of it. Yep. Wow, that's uh, pretty intense. Isn't Panoptic Mirror banned? I don't think so. I could have sworn that card was banned. I have no idea, but... <laughs> but it's a really powerful card. That would be insane. That's, uh... Pretty nuts. So what would your, I don't know what my favorite win con be. Win con be? Um, <laughs> slow mill. Oh man, Let I don't know. Mill out slowly. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, so you, so you basically get to just play to fairies protection every turn, right? Goblin bombardment. <laughs> just deal one damage at a time. Yeah, I, you, we have to. This was a bad week for Seth not being here. <laughs> I, I don't like these like dirty combo decks. I, I I need to smash the tribal creatures. I don't know how you win yes. this. <laughs> I don't know. You just lock everyone up and make them forfeit. <laughs> it's brutal. I'll tell you that much. Uh, last question, Mystic Remora one. When playing on a budget in a mid rangey deck, would you rather have subpar answers or subpar threats? Ooh, subpar answers. Um, I think if your threats are uh, premier cards uh, using, like, let's say, if you had to make a choice between some random five-drop, like, draft junk or the Scarab God, uh, I think you want to lean towards um, real prime threats. Yeah, I think good creatures, poor removal, because in the backup case, your good creature can block and acts as, like, pseudo-removal. If you have a Tarmogoyf, it can just hold the fort. And, you know, you can use, say, Shock instead of Lightning Bolt or Hero's Downfall instead of Terminate or something. And it's it's not as bad. Whereas if you're playing, I don't know what budget Tarmogoyf is, like Hooting Mandrels or something, it just doesn't, like, match up <laughs> as well. Right. So uh, I would go with subpar answers. Because the subpar answers usually aren't that subpar. <laughs> like, it's only slightly worse. Uh, that's yep, all our fish. I for think this so week. too. So thank you everyone for sending them in. Yeah, thanks everyone. Oh, that was a lot, Richard. But um, really great questions. Uh, glad we can answer them together. All right, uh, that will wrap it up for this week. Um, we will see you all next time. Seth will be back. Richard, it was a pleasure. Um, and uh, yeah, this is going to be the MTG Goldfish Crew signing out. We will see you all next time. Bye.